Here we are, the Season of Sam podcast, just keeping it rolling. Today's a special episode, Sam. You know, I've been watching you interview so many people. <laughs> I get to learn and observe. It's, and it's honestly, when, when people ask me about this, it, it's my favorite thing to watch you kind of glean insight into your life from Pete Carroll, Colin Cowherd, Trent Dilfer, uh, our vast array of guests. Uh, but I was like, man, we haven't even really talked that <laughs> So I thought today we would do kind of the state of the Season of Sam podcast, yeah. and I'd interview on where we are. We're about a third of the way through the season, and just kind of dive into different elements of this year thus far. Yeah. Um, just speaking on that first, it's just so insane how my life has changed so drastically in a short amount of time. Just from, I mean, and there's still my... You know, the people I look up to, like Pete Carroll, Trent Dilfer, Coach Clay. <laughs> um, but just the fact that I'm able to interview them and that they want to be interviewed by me and they want to come on the show, it's it's so it's so it's so cool for me to be able to do that and uh it's just it's so awesome and every single time I get an opportunity to interview someone new, I definitely look at it as an opportunity to learn. And I think that's the biggest thing for me. You just said the statement, uh, my life has changed so much. <laughs> when did you recognize that? Yeah. Because uh, it doesn't just happen after the Rose Bowl. Or maybe it does. But I'm curious <laughs> when you, you had that bit, thought. Yeah. 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 Uh, no, it, it, I think definitely, I mean, because I had a few days after the Rose Bowl to kind of just chill at home. And I think after those few days when everyone started interviewing me and all this stuff about whatever, like the draft, all that stuff kind of started popping up, and I was like, dang, like I don't I don't necessarily realize it myself, but I think my life's about to change, and it already has a little bit. So it was kind of a, a crazy, and we talked about it last week with Cam, uh, with how sometimes you have that one game that really just blows you up in terms of, you know, social media, um, just your fans recognizing you everywhere you go. And I think the Rose Bowl was definitely kind of that moment for me. Uh, but I think not letting that define me is something that I've really been working towards this off season. And so far during the year, um, we're undefeated, you know, uh, 4-0. And we're just looking to keep that going. And I think as long as we keep winning, I'm doing my job. And, um, yeah, I don't think I've played up to my standards uh, by any means. Um, but I definitely think as the season gets rolling and as I continue to, you know, find my flow with the receivers and the protections, all that stuff, I think I'll just continue to improve. And with that, I think the team will improve as well. So what what is your standard? Um, I mean, not turn the ball over. I've turned the ball over way too much. Uh, honestly, just uh, taking care of the ball, taking what the defense gives me. And uh, I think I've kind of seen a trend in these last last few games in that uh, during the second half, I kind of get settled in and I start settling down and taking what the defense gives me. And um, I think I'm just going to continue to, like I do before interviews and like you do before you do your interviews, your interviews, uh, just take a deep breath, really settle in, um, feel my feet on the ground. And if I just can do that before a game, I think I'll improve a lot um, and really focus on 
taking what the defense gives me, and I think that'll help um, with not turning the ball over and just having a better flow offensively. That's cool. There's some quarterbacks. Um, we, you know, we both talked to uh, Dr. Mike Gervais, the psychologist, and there's quarterbacks in the NFL, and uh, we talked to the 11 kids about it this summer. Um, when things get crazy in games, hectic, maybe throw a bad play, whatever, um, how do you settle in? And one of the thoughts is when you come out in pregame, you look to a place in the stands and you pick a spot, almost a seat or a spot or a pull from a light, and you're like, okay, that's my spot. And after, say, a pick or a crazy play, you look to that and that centers you again. You're like, okay, all right, let's go. Yeah. I'm curious for you, like, because Mark used to do this. Mark Sanchez, when I was coaching back here, he would harbor plays. He'd throw a pick and he'd try to make up for it on the next throw. Let alone versus just take what the defense gave him right. on the next one or something he had to process that's, through. That's the same issue that yeah. I've been dealing with too. And uh, I was asked by Joel Klatt actually uh, when they were talking to us, getting ready for their game uh, that they were calling for us against Texas. And uh, he asked, and I don't know if you've seen Inception, but uh, that little piece that they spend to know what's reality and what's not, what's a dream and what's real. Um, he asked what that is for me because sometimes my life can seem like can seem not real at times because it is so blown up and people recognize me and um, I always just go back to family uh, and going back home to San Clemente and that's what I told him and I think that's super important to have uh, as someone who might get more recognition than a normal person uh, so and you know, after the Wazoo game, uh, and I'm not looking past Wazoo at all, but um, it's a Friday game, so I'm really looking forward to just going home for a couple of days and relaxing, um, and just um, really just going back, relaxing, hanging out with some old friends, and then just spending time with my family a little bit. So I think taking that deep breath and settling there will also help me uh, improve as a player and as a person. I want to rewind to the Cal game for a second. Yeah. Bunch of players are injured. Your first road test of the season, going up against a guy who used to be on the staff here as the defensive coordinator who recruited a lot of you. Uh, what was that like for your team to, to, to put it together in the second half, to be able to pull away late in that ball game? And what do you think you learned from tough scenarios? Because it's not like you can reflect and you've got an off season like, you can reflect for 24 hours, and now it's back to work on a short week. Yeah, um, <clears throat> it was interesting. I mean, I haven't personally, as a player, I haven't dealt with a short week like this, uh, where we play a game on Saturday, uh, get on the plane, get back here around probably 8:30, uh, have some time to reflect on the game, and then come back Sunday. And you know, we have our we pushed everything back, so we had our Monday lift on Sunday, right after the game. And we watched film on Wazoo Sunday. So it was a short week, something I haven't dealt with, but um, it was honestly nice to just kind of get after it um, mm -hmm. right after the game. And um, But yeah, it was going up against Coach Wilcox and also Coach Tui, who I had a great relationship with here, still have a great relationship with. Um, it was interesting going up against them, but Honestly, when the game gets rolling, I don't think anyone really thinks about it. Right. Um, we just think about our assignments, what we got to do. And it was interesting when the game was tied. It was just everyone kind of had that look on their face like, oh, here we go again. This is another 
you know, grind it out game, and that's going to happen during the course of the season in some some uh, games against some teams. So um, it's always good to be able to have those games, I think. Right. You know, you don't want to have too many, but I think it is helpful for a team, and I think that um, just can really help in us defining ourselves and how resilient we are in dealing with those situations. You know, it's a really interesting point you make because your whole career, you've basically been like the teams that you're playing against, right? You've been taking swings at the Goliath in the room. And right. You've been the, uh, not necessarily undersized, but you've been the, you know, the chip on the shoulder guy, the yeah, overlooked the player, underdog, yeah. exactly. Right. Hey, have you thought about it like that at all? <laughs> um, no, I haven't. Because uh, you can relate to these teams that are playing you. Yeah, I can, but at the same time, if you put too much deep thinking into that kind of stuff, then you might get you yeah, might get lost. Us. You might get lost in the game plan and all that. But um, no, it's 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 an interesting point, and uh, I think that's what's so cool about uh, the process and just enjoying the process. I think going from being under recruited or um, not recruited as highly as some of these other kids in high school and then coming to USC and playing well. Uh, it's interesting how life works, I think, sometimes. Yeah, so. well, my favorite thing about your team is, uh, or one of my favorite things is you and, and your receiver, Deontay, because you both were under-recruited yeah. guys, yeah. but you set the standard for work ethic, for showing up, and you have reaped the benefits of that, whether it's huge stage, the Rose Bowl, he's just named uh, one of the, I think, semifinalists for the Blitnikoff Award. Obviously, you get all the praise, but I, I, I bet it would, it's interesting if you're a teammate who was a huge recruit, maybe not performing at that level right now, and you see, well, it's not about where I was, but about what I'm doing. Yeah, well, it's interesting because last night, me and my roommates were, we were talking about, all right, we have all the 2000s to look at in college football what would be our all-time team, our all-time college football team, not looking at what they do in the NFL. Right. And we couldn't help but think of guys like Khalil Mack, who went to Buffalo, J.J. Mm -hmm. Watt, who went to, I think it was Central Michigan. Yeah, he transferred like too. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting how guys get so under-recruited, and guys like Khalil Mack, who grew up in Florida, which is like, Right. <laughs> People love to recruit in Florida because a ton of athletes are are over there. So and for him to get overlooked and then do you know, he did what he did at Buffalo and then you know, it's just it's crazy sometimes how life works and um how sometimes that chip on your shoulder can really take you a long way in life. Yeah. I wanna go back to college and have conversations with my roommates <laughs> late night, man. Um take us okay, you, you beat Cal. What's the locker room like? after the game you know is it is it exhale we got to win is it jubilation like these are hard to come by curious the pulse inside those walls um i mean it was just a relief uh it was such a relief to get that win mm -hmm. and i think when we went up 30 to 13 that was really and when they got the turnover right our defense got that huge uh that huge interception when Chenna returned it to like the two yard line i think and we scored right after that but um, it's such, and me and me and Cam were talking about it, it's such a team game, and it's so cool to, I mean, you know, hopefully the offense can pick it up a little bit here the rest of the year, but it's cool to see when when we struggle, it's awesome to see special teams and defense, you know, picking up the slack, 
And I think that's what's so cool about football. It's just such a team game. And, uh, yeah, I think that's, like, one of the best things about yeah. football because you don't really get that with any other sport. Yeah, it's really true. I mean, you're a communications major. I'm obviously in communications business. Everything has got this great story arc to it. And I asked you about the locker room because locker rooms are san- they're like very uh, special places, right? It's a sanctuary. It's very private. And we all don't know what goes on there except sometimes images pop out. And I'm showing you the image right now of you and Will Ferrell, one of the ultimate storytellers. <laughs> w- w- interaction in the locker room? So... Yeah, well, going, yeah, so we won the game. Everyone's super excited, uh, just pumped to get, you know, get out of Cal and get back home and um, celebrate the win with our boys. And we get in the locker room, and Will Ferrell's standing there. And <laughs> the whole feeling of getting that win, the excitement, just turned right to Will Ferrell. It was crazy. It was like, you know, Coach T, like everyone. Uh, Coach Tyson, Coach Clay, everyone was just like so starstruck on this guy. <laughs> and it was like, it was so, it was such a cool dynamic too because it seemed like he was a little starstruck to be with the USC football team. Right. Because, you know, he went to USC, such a USC fan. And uh, it was interesting. Coach, Coach Clay, uh, he asked him to break down the team, you know, after Coach Clay gave a speech, you know, we played well, such a team, such a team effort. And, he was like, we have a special guest, Will Ferrell. Um, we'd like you to come break down the team and have, say some words to our guys. And we, th- I thought personally that he was going to crack a joke or say something funny, and he was just like, guys, what a win, man. That was, that was awesome to get that win like that. Um, you guys showed so much resiliency and didn't even crack a joke, didn't even crack a smile. He was like, all right, family on three, one, two, three. And we all broke it down, and it was just – he was so into it. It was like he was a fan, but everyone in the room was a fan of his. Mm. So it was just, it was such a weird dynamic. And then after that, everyone was taking pictures uh, like you see there. Did you get a chance to talk to him? I talked to him for a little bit. Yeah, I talked to him for a little bit. He's a, <laughs> he's a funny dude. He was just cracking up at the fact that everyone had their phones with them right after the game. <laughs> like, but um, no, he, he's a great guy and... I always say it on this podcast, but he's just a normal guy too. Like, right? Um, I but remember. I was I was definitely starstruck by by his you know appearance, and he's taller than I thought he would be too. He's like a good six four. Yeah, six he's three, a big guy. Six, four, Can you yeah. imagine him interning in like Tim Teslin's office? <laughs> That's where he started. Yeah, no, it's insane. It all begins up there in Heritage Hall. <laughs> when I was uh, coaching here, I'll never forget. I went to a dinner, and I got to kind of tag along. Sometimes it was like Coach Carroll and. Uh, Mark Jackson, a couple coaches. Pete was like, come on out tonight, I'm going to dinner. We didn't know where. And we go to this fancy schmancy uh, dinner spot in Hollywood and Will's there. And we're all sitting around and like literally the whole time, it's like you're just waiting for him to crack a joke. Oh, right, because yeah. he had this like smirk on his face and it was, <laughs> and, he, and he was having real conversations to your point. Like yeah. he's well, got he thoughts was probably, about. He was probably starstruck about meeting, you know, Pete Carroll and yeah. being with Pete Carroll. You know, he's such a fan of USC football, so. Uh, He's such a he's such a good guy, and uh, you know he has all the right in the world to not be to be a jerk. But right. he's such a good dude, and I, I think that shows in his movies with you know how funny he is. And it just I would love to spend a day on set with Will Ferrell and a cast that he's working with because it's probably just another day at the office. You know, just having fun, cracking jokes left and right. Probably going uh, off script all the time. Um, so, 
no, but he's he's such a good guy. Uh, All right, so speaking of going off script, because Will Ferrell, he clearly did a lot of improv. You go back and look at his career and did that. There's times in your game where it looks like you're doing improv. And I'll go back and watch, and I'll be like, wow, mechanically, whether it's a jump pass or slide in the pocket, like, you're still really sound. So I'm curious, like, do you, do you practice unique throws? Every game you have something that's a wow moment, but I feel like for you that's kind of part of your your resume basically your yeah. repertoire uh i think I, I i definitely practice making easy throws first you know because i think that's where i need to grow the most mm -hmm. but you know i think i've been practicing those you know improvisational throws ever since i started playing football yeah. you know with my friends in the backyard so uh i think it really all started there just having fun with the game letting the game come to me and really it, it's not anything more than that, but I just need to continue to um, sharpen up a little bit of my fundamentals and keeping my front foot pointed towards my target and all that kind of stuff. But um, I think it, it I think it definitely all started just when I was little, when I was playing backyard football, just having a good time with my friends, making, you know, awkward uh, deliveries to my receivers. So I think that's where it all started, honestly. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard this story before, but... When Tony Romo was growing up, because he grew up in like the Midwest, it was snowing all the time, so it wasn't like here. Um, he couldn't throw outside a lot, so he'd go down in his basement and he'd throw at pillows. And he tried different angles, and he'd throw like thousands a night, like five feet away, ten feet away, twelve feet away, different arm angles, just to try to work them. Clearly, you weren't necessarily throwing at pillows, but with your friends, is it similar to that? Of like you were just trying out and experimenting different types of throws. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And like we, I remember when I was little, we had. Uh, a tire in our backyard and I would try to fit it through that and then uh, in our front yard there were some trees that I would try to fit it in between branches and stuff like that and uh, throw a sidearm every now and then but also you know we, we played a, f a fair amount of football but at the same time we played baseball too and basketball and I think just having that uh, I guess experience with other sports throughout my whole life really helped me out, really helped me out in terms of my football skills. Love it. So, so I mean, people love watching you play when you have a helmet on, shoulder pads on. But you don't have that now. You don't have that when you're going to class. What is the balance like for somebody that has never played collegiate sports before, college football specifically? What's the balance like of of being regimented in your schedule, specifically on a short week now, with class, homework, assignments, midterms coming up, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's tough. Uh, it's definitely not easy, but you know, if it were easy, everyone would be doing it, you know, mm -hmm. so. So how do you, uh, like, do you have a process? Is it like, okay, like, when I go do, like, when I have a homework assignment, I just, sh I turn my phone in airplane mode and I just go and when I can lock in for an hour and just go hard? Um, or are you kind of a guy that drops in throughout the day and does 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there? Yeah, I'm definitely a guy that drops in throughout the day. Uh, you know, I have, I have a rough time just sitting down for an hour and a half, two hours and just, uh, really focusing because I would always find myself either going on Facebook or YouTube looking up videos because right. I'm always curious about different things like even in a homework assignment if I'm supposed to be looking up something that's going on politically I might you know stumble upon another video that might take me somewhere else and I just kind of lose my train of thought but um, I've definitely learned to cope with that and I have my own style 
And I'm definitely a guy that, you know, throughout the day, I like to, if I have a five-page paper due in a couple days, I'll probably write a page in, like, probably, like, 40, 45 minutes. And then I'll, I'll stop, refresh, and, like, probably whenever I get my next opportunity to write it, and I'll write another page and uh, just continue from there. And I think that's, you know, I've found my way to do things. Other people have found their way to do things. Uh balancing school and sports so it's definitely hard uh but I think once you go through that freshman year that growing process and like I said the tutoring upstairs with SAS is it's pivotal in our growth as student athletes because it is it is a grind all the time um I would even argue that spring sometimes can be harder than you know season (laughs) um just because it's it's such a grind and I think that's it really helps I think once we get in the real real world uh because it makes it makes almost having a job or something to that extent it makes it easier to balance those things because we've done it before growth as a student athlete um it comes in a variety of shapes sizes it's a really unique time to be an athlete and a student athlete professional athlete, just around athletics. Uh, you made a statement after practice earlier this week. You were asked about all the stuff that's happening politically yeah. um, around what happened in the NFL with taking a knee or standing for the flag. I'm really curious about you have such a diverse locker room. You have people from variety of socioeconomic backgrounds, variety of states all over this country, East Coast, Southeast, Northeast, West Coast, Midwest. Do guys, do guys dive into that subject in a locker room? Uh, no, yeah. it's, it's more of, and I'm being completely honest too. Yeah. I'm not holding anything back right now. It's honestly, it's just a lot of goofing around. Yeah. Um, a lot of, um, just jokes being tossed left and right. And, you know, sometimes that conversation will happen, but you know, we, we spend too much time with each other to really get frustrated with each other because people do have different points of views mm-hmm. and that is going to happen. But you know, it's, it, I think, because we have a lot of smart dudes in the locker room, and I think with that being the case, no one's going to get too mad or let anyone else get too too frustrated with what's going on. I think, um, and I, I always revert back to just controlling what you can control. I mean, what President Trump has been saying recently is he's going to say what he's going to say. You know, we're not going to have anything you know to change we're not going to do anything to change his mind um we're not going to have anything to do with nfl players um whether they want to stand whether they want to kneel so um it's it really is just it is what it is honestly and that's that's how i look at it personally have you ever met mike leach before i have i met him at uh (laughs) i met him at the uh pac-12 media days uh Interesting guy. Very interesting. Incredible. I was just calling their game last weekend. <laughs> when you think about him, what are some of the things that come to mind? And, and I'm wondering if you ever, like, in your, you know, every once in a while you dive into YouTube, like, you ever gone down the Mike Leach rabbit hole? <laughs> I haven't. It's a great um, one to go yeah. down, by the way. <laughs> I don't know if I want to. Yeah, but, yeah. You don't want to. Yeah, save that for the off season. But, um, no, I've, I've heard stories for sure. But, um, no, when I, when I think of Mike Leach, I just think about, a great offense, I think, uh, just with what he's done at Washington State, 
But when, you know, Graham Harrell was at Texas Tech and Michael Crabtree, that was an insane time for college football as well. And he, he kind of um, started the whole, you know, I don't know if he started it, but it really seemed like Texas Tech was just throwing the ball every single play. Yeah, he's one of the godfathers of that offense. Before we let you go, um, quarterback, the position, it's so unique. You know, I think there's a fraternity just among that position. You haven't had a common opponent yet with Washington State, so you might not have been able to watch their offense this year in Luke Falk, but you obviously know about him, have watched him. He may be, the by the end of the season, the uh, the leading passer in the history of the Pac-12 Conference by the time his career is all said and done. When you watch a guy like that throw the ball over the yard, what are some of the things that you pick up on, are impressed by, and admire? Uh, I think his patience. I'm super impressed by his patience. and um, Even when... It's interesting because even when he does get sacked, if you know he's back there for a second and he gets sacked right away, it's not going to change his mindset the next play. He's mm-hmm. going to continue to just stand in the pocket and make the throws that he's going to make. Um, so I think that's the one thing that's really impressive to me about Luke Falk. And um, I mean, I've I know a couple guys on Washington State, and they say um, he's just kind of a quiet leader, kind of the same way I am a little bit. And he just gets the work done. And I have a lot of respect for that. I have a lot of respect for people who do that. So, um, you know, I haven't personally met him yet, but I'm excited to meet him uh, before the game, hopefully, if not after. But um, I'm also excited to watch him play and see how our defense handles him. I love it. Well, this has been fun, man, diving a little different podcast (laughs) this week. Yep. It's been been a good time. All right. All right. But the spotlight (laughs) was on. We got to ask you some questions again. Uh, but thanks for coming on. Fired up to keep this thing moving. It's Sam Darnold. I'm Yogi Roth. It's the season of Sam. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to the season of Sam podcast. And we are with offensive coordinator T. Martin. T. It is not hot tea and touchdowns, <laughs> which was one of your where'd shows. You, where'd you find that? From man? back in the day. Atlanta, man. Hot tea and touchdowns. Had a little short TV, I mean, a radio show, and uh, did television as well. And, Comcast Sports South and uh, talking football with Mark Slaybar and Bob Neal and Tony Barnhart, those guys, but have fun with the media. I love it, man. Did you did you think you would be the offensive coordinator in a major college program? Like, when did that even become a thing for you? It was uh, younger in my pro football career. I knew that I wanted to coach. I didn't know at what level. didn't know how far I would go in it. It was just kind of this natural feeling of playing quarterback, being kind of the coach on the field. And my experience with Jim Harbaugh, when he was the quality control, uh, he had a quality control job with the Oakland Raiders, and just watching and helping him with stuff and just learning football and, and just getting more into the coaching side of things. Didn't know, you know when I was going to retire, but shortly after I retired, I always found myself training players. And uh, Cam Newton was one of the first players I ever worked with, and I really enjoyed doing that. Then I got the opportunity to uh, meet Andy Bart uh, with Elite 11 and uh, traveled the country training quarterbacks and working with Elite 11, had some private stuff going on. That led into uh, high school jobs, and my first job was offense coordinator and called a play. So it was kind of was all I knew in Morehouse College and University of New Mexico. But I just kind of was focusing on doing the best job I could with what I was asked to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't this goal of, you know, in a few years I'll be a coordinator. I just wanted to just do a good job. And one thing led to the next being passing game coordinator and ultimately coordinator. But it's been a blessing. 
the progression of your career is maybe can be compared to the pro progression of the position. Mm -hmm. You come in and, and, you, and you love the game, right? Like right. you loved in football, but then you got to learn the nuances of coaching like you saw from, from Harbaugh and then obviously on throughout the rest of your career. I, I'm curious when you look back on the progression of this team on mm -hmm. offense. Mm -hmm. We're only a third of the way through the season, but yeah. what strides have you seen that you can compare to whether it's past teams that had the stuff necessary to be an elite program for that season? I think the fiber of our offense is really strong this year in the sense of we're doing what we have to do to win games, and we've won games in different ways. We've won it throwing the ball, we run it one, running the ball, having balance. Uh, we're on one day here, one day not. Uh, still a work in progress. The, the thing that is interesting about this season is we lost a lot of production last year and a lot of experience. You look at our top three receivers from last season, whether it was Juju Smith-Schuster, there's uh, Rodgers, and Daniel Mortababy hadn't played a down this year. Right. And Sam has not had those guys. But we're still being able to produce with relatively new faces. And, you know, Stephen Mitchell playing a new position this year and having been out the last game. And, you know, Tyler Vaughn was a red shirt last year. Michael Pittman uh, played sparingly, but he was back up to Juju really only played a lot in the Oregon game last season, had a good game. Um, and Deontay Burnett didn't ever start until Stephen Mitchell got hurt. You know, like, so so the chemistry of uh, of our offense is still a work in progress, but Ronald Jones has been great. Um, St Stephen Carr's been great. Our committee of running backs have done such a great job of allowing us to have that balance, and they're doing a great job in pass protection and protecting Sam. And, Sam is doing great. You know, we gotta we gotta continue to progress towards being a finished product. Uh, I want us to peak at the right time, mm -hmm. but I like the direction that we're headed towards as an offense. When you were playing back in the day at Tennessee, balling out, or even when you were backing up Peyton Manning, mm -hmm. um, did you deal with harboring plays? Ever like in terms of if you made a bad read, would you hang on to? Because we talked to Sam about that earlier, yeah. and he referenced that. And I'm curious oh, your experience as a player. And then I'd like to know it as a coach or how you even discuss and deal with that. As a quarterback and, a, and the kind of competitor I am is, it's, it's like I remember reading about Michael Jordan. He talks about the shots he missed right. and not all the shots he made because you expect to make it. Like, so you don't worry about those. You know, you can be hot. You, you know, I set the record for completion in a game and all I cared about was the incompletion, <laughs> you know. And so, uh, but you do you, because you know that you can do so much better. And, and you always want a better outcome. And and that's, yeah, it does. Those things stuck with me. I still can remember reads or things that I did that I wish I could do better. But how do you deal with them so you're not trying to make up for a bad read or an incompletion yeah. um, with the next throw and just take yeah. what the defense gives you? Okay, maybe it's a check down, but I wanted to throw a touch on so bad to make up for a pick. That's where you grow. Yeah. You know, is is you can't press. You have to learn from it and recognize that it's in your mind, but you can't treat the next play like that last situation because it may be a different coverage. You may be playing against a different team with better talent or whatever that scenario is. Uh, you can never recreate that exact same scenario again. So you got to let it go. you got to flush it. Uh, but it's, it, it still doesn't mean you don't think about it, you know. And that's the challenge with uh, someone like Sam. You know, he's so competitive that uh, – what makes him Sam and what makes him special at times is his ability to 
create and extend. And, uh, you know, I, we don't see it. You're standing behind them sometimes at practice, and you're like, well, how did you see that? You know, that, that's what makes them so great. You don't ever want to take that away from them. But uh, he is learning to flush it and move on to the next play and not let it bother him so much. But ultimately, it's going to stay in your head. What type of learner is he? Uh, really cerebral, quick learner. Uh, he learns both uh, in the meeting room and on the field through experience. Uh, he's uh, He has, like, this feel for the game that is a skill that you can't coach. Like, you're born with it. You're born with the vision. You're born with the feel. Whatever that it factor that people want to describe, I think Sam has that. And uh, combined with the intelligence to be able to like what, what we always say is uh, to go through your process of elimination. I think the one thing that he does a really good job of is he's already eliminated certain things and it can get him through a progression quicker than other guys and, and he can anticipate a route because he's already said, you know, this is going to happen because of that coverage or that blitz or that whatever it is. So his process of elimination uh, is to that level of allowing him to get the ball out and not take so many sacks and be accurate with his anticipation. It's interesting. We were talking earlier, and, and you coach the receivers as well. Mm -hmm. um, you look back just through your history here, right, from Marquise Lee, obviously All-American player, mm -hmm. Nelson Aguilar, he knows about his accomplishments, Juju Smith-Schuster, as we referenced earlier, had a huge block over the weekend for the Steelers. Mm -hmm. um, what I love about your group is that Sam and Deontay, specifically mm -hmm. as a receiver, were both under-the-radar guys, mm -hmm. but they might be your hardest workers or the guys that put – the most in, at least that I've observed post-practice, whatever it may be. Curious what it's what it's like coaching Burnett, and then does that element of his persona and work ethic and traits, does that carry over? And have you seen it lift in a young, uh, immature from an experience standpoint, uh, offensive side of the ball? Man, um, I'm going to love those type of recruits and those type of players because in a day and age of reading so much about yourself, five-star, everybody came to you, there is this sense of old school football player out there. And you look at some of our players that are not only on offense but on defense, you know, Chris Brown wasn't a big time recruit, you know, and Uchino Nuosu, the time we offered him, he didn't have any offers. You know, and a Jane Harris only had San Diego State, you know, and so I flip it back to offense, I think that mentality of Sam and having to be red shirted down there going against the number one defense and Deontay getting a call on signing day, you know, it gives you a chip. You know, that, that you got slept on and that every day I need to prove to not only my teammates and my coaching staff that I belong, but to everyone who overlooked me. And I think that uh, you got to have something that motivates you like that. And, and for those two guys, I think it is that feeling of everyone was talking about this other person or these other guys and not me so much. And, and it drove them to, to be the players that they are right now. I'm sure you get asked this all the time, but when quarterbacks ask you about working and being on the same team as Peyton Manning, mm -hmm. we all see the guy who checked at the line of scrimmage. It's all known about his work ethic, his commitment to the craft. But I'm curious about you know if you can if you give them a glimmer into another side of that guy that yeah. made him be whether somebody that can galvanize a team, somebody that can perform on big stages um, yeah. that you've taken and now tailored to your team. One, the one story that I tell mostly is uh, Peyton and I, we would have these Thursday night meetings, and both of us would have class, and we would try to rush to beat the other one to the office. 
because you always wanted to get that jump, and Coach Cut couldn't always be there because of recruiting. I mean, not recruiting, but the time periods of what coaches had to meet with you and all. But it was just kind of like our time to watch third down, the red zone, and all that. And one time I come, and I thought I'm early, and the door is locked. But I see his truck out there, and I'm like, this dude's in here somewhere. He had locked me out. <laughs> he was up there. So I finally get one of the maintenance guys to get me up, and I get to the room. like, all right, okay, I got you. <laughs> so, But he was extre- an extreme competitor and a guy who prepared to a level where you would think he was like had a sickness. You know, we would have VC, back in VCR days. We would have a the, the hotel would wheel in a big old TV with a VCR in it, and we have our film guy have this stack of v, VHS tapes in. <laughs> We're in there watching VHS until we fell asleep. You know, the night before games. So it was never a time where you weren't preparing, and um, and that's one thing that I took from Peyton that I share with quarterbacks. When that a lot of quarterbacks don't ask about. What I went through, or whatever. I don't, I'm they so, need to. I'm so old at this point; <laughs> they don't even remember, dude. And so, uh, but it takes a the forum to come, and we start having those discussions. But uh, for the most, that's one of the stories I do tell. When, do you see? Guys. I'm curious. Like, do you see Matt Fink, Jack mm-hmm. Sears, mm-hmm. doing the things that you did as a backup to Peyton as they are a backup to Sam? You know, they they're pushing towards it. Uh, I was extreme. I really was because. Uh, that's why you want a natty, baby? Yeah, you know, and and. I saw the fire in Peyton. I mm. saw how he was motivated being the top quarterback at the time. You know, it was you know, Peyton and Drew Brees. These guys were having an unbelievable season. Tim Couch and all these guys were just playing great. And it was just like every day, you know, Peyton just wanted to, like, do something and have an edge on guys. And so I took the backup role as if if this guy's the best of the best and, and every day that I could go out and try to challenge him and be better than him that day, I won, and even though people don't see me doing it at practice, I feel good about what I'm doing here, and I'm proving to my teammates and coaching staff that I, I belong. Um, but you know, I'm not in the room with them, so I can't speak to how they prepare. But on the field, I do see them asking questions and interacting the way that I was. I, I used to be a gnat, you know, cut, <laughs> cut sometimes. You have to tell me to get back because whatever he was doing, I wanted to know why. You know, I would stay after practice with with like bags and line up the 40 fronts and then three down fronts and make my protection calls and because I didn't get the rep at practice so I needed to have the rep you know and so but you have to be uh, you have to be highly motivated to be prepared that's beautiful um, speaking of preparation mm-hmm. you guys go to the Palouse mm-hmm. on a short week I just called their game last week that defensive line as you know better than I they're moving all over the place right. extremely right. athletic Easily the most uh, raucous crowd you're going to have seen thus far this season. The place is going to be lit. Mm-hmm. How do you prepare a young team to not get, A, caught up in the chatter that their fans are on? It's like a basketball game, right? You've been there. They're right on top of you. As well as dealing with the movement and the athleticism that an undersized defense can give a, t- a team of your size and caliber. The good thing about us is we've been in really big challenges early in this season. We have not had one game that was just an easy game. And so we feel good about the challenges we've already faced and from Texas and the things that they did up front, very similar to what uh, Washington State does uh, with bigger people. And so uh, we've had a good good couple days of preparation, but it's going to be a challenge, you know, with the way they stem the front, they try to move on cadence and things that Utah were doing, you know, over to about a year ago. 
and they've been able to draw some guys offside, so we're simulating that at practice. Uh, but, yeah, you know, whether it's Hercules or different guys on the defensive line, secondary is an experienced group of guys, it's going to be a challenge for us to just go out and execute the game plan. We can't worry about what the fans do or how loud it's going to be. You know, those are external things that we can't control. The things that we can control uh, is our execution, and that's what we're going to focus on to give us an opportunity to win this game. Before we let you go, so much is asked. I get asked about it all the time. I'm sure you do as well. Mm-hmm. Seven interceptions already this year. Mm-hmm. What's going mm-hmm. on with your quarterback? Yeah. Um, I look at him, and I think he's going to the right place with the ball, mm-hmm. right, and, and say, well, it's not that big of a deal. Um, curious how you evaluate that. Uh, both ways. Uh, there are interceptions that I can live with when Western Michigan is 50-50 ball gives us a chance to make the play. We don't make the play. Uh, right in the receiver's hand at Texas, tip, pick six. I can live with those. I can live with any type of interception where you're competing as a quarterback. Saturday at Cal, I mean, it's man-to-man. It's Deontay Burnett and the nickel going down the scene. I'm going to throw that same ball. Kid made a great play on the ball. A couple of them he wish he had back. I know he, he feels the same way. Other than that, I like where he's at. I like how he's competing. I like the decisions that he's making. It hadn't been one that I go, what are we doing? Right. You know? And so <laughs> – uh, but we're going to continue to learn from those mistakes and and, um, and, and go out and, and play the best we can every week. More fun at Hot Tea and Touchdown or a Season of Sam podcast? <laughs> season of Sam, man. Okay. Let's go. All right. We'll take the win, baby. <laughs> you got it. All right, All right T, yeah, we appreciate, appreciate the time. You, you got, got it. it. That's T Martin. For our team, it is not possible without the magical work of executive producer Tim Teslon and Paul Goldberg. Of course, our producer, Katie Ryan, head of social media, Jordan Moore, and our editor, producer, 